Well, dear church family, would you take your Bible and turn to the book of Ezra. Ezra, feel free to use the contents page of your Bible to find it. It can be a little challenging to locate it. And I welcome our radio listeners across the city and beyond as we learn some very important truth today. Today's topic is principles for making a big difference in our church and in our country. I really believe that all of us here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene and people across our city, I believe that we want to make a positive difference, don't we? We want to make a beautiful, wonderful difference in our local church, in our community, in our province, across this nation of ours, wherever we are. Well, Ezra was a man who made a big difference in his spiritual community and in the country of Israel. After a period of time when many Jews had been held as slaves in Babylon, there was a change of government, and some of the Jews were allowed to go back to Jerusalem and back to the temple, which had been previously destroyed, been destroyed by the Babylonian armies at a very sad time in their history. After many years of hard work, the Jewish people were able to finally rebuild the temple. And some years later, in 458 B.C., God sent Ezra from Babylon to Jerusalem to have a major spiritual impact upon Jerusalem and upon the whole nation, wherever the Jews live. God sent Ezra to make a spiritual impact, to teach the word of God, to, to help people learn how to pray, and to get them on fire for their faith and trust in the Lord. When we study Ezra, we discover some very important principles, principles for making a big difference in life. I shared some of those principles with you in a previous message, and uh, a summary of those principles are found in your bulletin, which uh, you can have a look at this afternoon. But today I want to take you to part two, part two in this message, and I invite you to focus on the following first truth that we learn from Ezra today, and it is this, be a person who has an appreciation for your family history and heritage. Now stick with me, and I believe you'll see where we get it from. In fact, this truth came to my mind from Ezra chapter 7, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Here is what it says. Many years later, this is many years after, it was probably about 60 years after the rebuilding of the temple, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, there was a man named Ezra. He was the son of Sariah, son of Azariah, son of Hilkiah, son of Shalom, son of Zadok, son of Ahitub, son of Amariah, son of Azariah, son of Merioth, son of Zariah, son of Uzi. Isn't that nice? Uzi. Whose son are you? I'm Uzi's son. I'm Uzi's son, right? Son of Buki, son of Abishua, son of Phineas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the high priest. 
And some of you are thinking, thank God it's over. <laughs> now, what we see here in Ezra is that Ezra is highlighting his own genealogy. He's highlighting his own genealogy all the way back to Aaron, the high priest, Moses' brother. You need to know that the list here is abbreviated. He doesn't include everybody in the family history, okay? So it's a short, shortened version. The truth is neither you or I usually get blessed reading a list of names. Come on now, isn't that true? Usually neither you nor I get blessed reading genealogies, these long lists, wherever they're found in the Bible. But these lists, these lists teach us a very important principle, whether you've realized it or not. And what they teach us is this. A Jewish person had a deep appreciation for his or her family history and heritage. They had this deep appreciation. And that is why one of the main reasons we see genealogies like this, long lists at different points in the Bible. They had this great appreciation for the, the family and the family background from which they came and so should you and I. Amen? So should you and I have some kind of an understanding and appreciation for our culture, for the background that we have, our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and other family members. The question can be asked, how can you and I, how can you and I show appreciation for our family history? for our, our heritage. What are some of the ways in this day and age that we can experience this? Well, I'm not gonna give you a, a complete rundown here, but here are some suggestions. Love and respect family members who are living. Show plenty of love and respect for the family members that are currently a part of your life. The truth is, you don't know when one or the other is gonna be gone, right? Also, have a few pictures on your walls of, of your living family members. If I had it my way, my, the walls of my house would be plastered with, with pictures. But my wife is more reasonable in some things than I am, and so we have, I guess, a reasonable number of pictures. Is that right, honey? I have to watch what I say. Okay? We're talking about how, how can we show an appreciation for our family history and the heritage. And uh, well, I, I remember walking to George and Ruth's home and some other people's homes and, and George, you probably still have it up. You have, you have those pictures of all your family members. Somehow you dug them up and, and the family tree. Yeah, George calls it the family tree. I remember looking and admiring and thought, boy, I wish I could do that, all right? Also, have, have some pictures on your walls, pictures of, on, the, on the walls of loved ones who have died, who have gone on ahead of us. Maybe your, your dad, your mom, your grandma, your grandpa, other significant people who have been part of your life. Talk, talk with family members about your good memories of a loved one. Talk with 
those in your family, about the memories that you have of the, the loved one who has, who has left this earthly life. Talk about him or her uh, days, months, years, even, even decades after they have gone. As most of you know, my wife and I have a precious little grandson who is one year old. When he is old enough to understand, I plan to sit down with him, show him some pictures, and I'll, I'll probably say things like this to him. I'll probably say, Liliani, this, this is your, this is your great-grandmother. This is your great-grandmother, Yanni. Doris Keys. She went, she went to heaven many years ago to be with Jesus. But Yanni, let me tell you, let me tell you what a wonderful woman your great-grandmother was. Then I'll, I'll probably say, Yanni, this is, this is a picture of your great-grandfather, Athanasios Stavropoulos. <laughs> Yanni, can you say that? Can you say Athanasios Stavropoulos? <laughs> <laughs> you know, let me tell you, let me tell you some special things about your great-grandfather, little Yanni. And Yanni, this is a picture. This is a picture of Auntie Ruth, who took great care, who took great care of your mommy when your mom was a baby like you. Let me tell you, let me tell you, Yanni, what an angel Aunt Ruth was. And Yanni... This is a picture, this is a picture of your other grandfather. I don't know him, I don't know him, but, but I want your dad to tell you about his dad who passed away about 10 years ago. All I'm saying, friends, all I'm saying is, is talk with your family members about your good memories of a loved one, of a loved one uh, who has gone on ahead, and don't, don't, don't forget them, don't forget them. When I go to heaven, I hope, I hope my wife and kids won't forget me in, 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 in two months. <laughs> Three months. <laughs> oh, she, maybe a year. <laughs> another, way, another way you can show appreciation for your family history and heritage, another way is at Christmas, Say, say a prayer in which you remember the lives of loved ones who are no longer with you. We traditionally do that in, in our home before, before, well, before we open up any presents. Usually in my house we'll read, read Christmas, the Christmas story from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I have the different family members read out loud and then, then we'll pray and in the prayer we'll remember the different family members that are no longer with us also, also, remember now we're talking about expressing appreciation for family history and heritage. Also, pay a visit. Pay a visit to a loved one's grave at appropriate times of the year and take your children, take your children and your grandchildren with you when you go to the graves or to the burial site, wherever that might be. Now, I want to be honest with you and say this. Sometimes when I'm... I mean, I am honest with you, but sometimes when I'm too honest, you, some of you clobber me, okay? But in all honesty, I have to say this. My mother-in-law and my father passed away 15 years ago 
in the year 2000, and Aunt Ruth passed away in 2011. One of my biggest regrets, one of my biggest regrets is that across the years, I did not take my children with me when I have gone to their grave to pay my respect to a dear family member. And so all I'm saying is, take time, do what you have to do to take your children, your grandchildren with you when you go to a loved one's grave. Now, some of you are thinking, some of you are thinking, well, Pastor Nick, what do you do when you go to the grave? I usually do four things. I shed some tears because I miss that dear person. I talk to my family member. Some of you will think I'm weird, but I talk to my family member as, as if they could hear me. For, for example, at a, at a recent visit, I said, Auntie Ruth, baby Yanni, baby Yanni is such a joy to us, Auntie Ruth, he just turned one. Auntie Ruth, I wish you could see him. And then I say, oh, Auntie Ruth, I, yeah, that's right, you can see him from heaven. <laughs> you, see him, you see him real good, Aunt Ruth. You know what I mean? And, and, and then when I'm at the grave, I, I will usually also, I have my Bible with me and I'll, I'll read some scripture, I'll read some scripture and, and then I'll, I'll pray thanking God for, for my loved one's blessing in my life and the life of our family and just thank God for that dear person. Now please, please don't anyone, don't anyone write me an anonymous note saying, Pastor Nick, you shouldn't be encouraging people to worship the dead. That's not at all what I'm saying. You got it? That's not at all what I'm saying, okay? What I'm saying is, like Ezra, be a person who has an appreciation for your family history and heritage. Got it? All right. I really believe this is an important principle for making a big difference. By the way, when I meet with wedding couples, when I meet with wedding couples to do the premarital counseling sessions, I, I ask a lot of questions. And in that questioning, if I discover, if I discover, especially when I don't know the couple, I mean, I do a lot of weddings for people from the community where I don't know the couples, right? But when I'm asking questions, if I discover that either he or she has little respect or, 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 or little appreciation for their family and their family background, then I, that causes me to do a lot of questioning because I know that there are some additional potential problems in this relationship because it's important to be a person who has an appreciation for your family history and heritage. Right on? All right. Let's move on. The second principle I want to share with you from Ezra today is this. Realize that going from where you are in your life to where God wants you to be can be a long, tough journey. Be obedient anyway. Now stick with me and you'll see it. This truth came to my mind when I read Ezra chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. Okay? Ezra 7, verses 8 and 9. Here's what it says. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in August of that year. He had arranged to leave Babylon on April 8, 
the first day of the new year, and he arrived at Jerusalem on August the 4th, for the gracious hand of his God was on him. All right. Think with me. When you read that, you can miss, you can miss the loads of information contained in those verses. Some of you are thinking, what's the big deal, Pastor Nick? You know, it's not much there. We can easily miss a lot of what's in there, my friends, and here's what I mean. Pastor Lisa, are you starting to see it? Think about it. Think about it. They left Babylon in April. And they arrived in Jerusalem in what month? August. About four months later. What does that tell you? It tells us it was a long trip from Babylon to Jerusalem. Babylon was located northeast of Jerusalem in basically what is today modern-day Iraq. All right? Now, the straight distance, as the, what do they say, as the crow flies, George? The straight distance between Babylon and Jerusalem is about 500 miles or 800 kilometers. Because there was so much desert between the two places, experts tell us that Ezra and his people would have had to travel around the desert, around the desert, and therefore, most likely, they traveled, listen to this, they traveled 800 miles or 12,800 kilometers on foot, donkey, and camel. Ezra's group would have walked an average, an average of about 10 miles per day, which is 16 kilometers, five days a week for about four months, Reverend Mangrew. When was the last time when was the last time you walked 10 miles a day, five days a week, for four months? Next time your flight is delayed for half an hour and you're complaining, think about Ezra. <laughs> think about Ezra. What you also need to know is that when you add up all the names of the people traveling with Ezra recorded in Ezra chapter 8, you discover that Ezra's travel group consisted of about 5,000 people. 5,000 people. Men, women, children, youth. Can you imagine 5,000 people traveling 10 miles a day, five days a week, 
for four months. They traveled in hot sun. They traveled through the threat of wild animals and or robbers attacking them. There were no McDonald's. There were no McDonald's, no Wendy's, no Tim Hortons, no Swiss Chalet, no Caribbean Wave, no Mona's. What are some of your other Caribbean favorite shops? Huh? No, no fast food restaurants like that and no washrooms. What am I saying? What am I saying? God had called Ezra to go from Babylon to Jerusalem to study, obey, and teach the law of the Lord to the people of Israel. And going from where he was in Babylon to where God wanted him to be was a long, tough journey. Not only for Ezra, but for all 5,000 of them. But the good news was they were obedient to the Lord. Amen? They were obedient. Here's a question. Where are you at this stage in your life? Young people, is God calling you? Is God calling you to be a pastor, a youth pastor, a missionary, a medical missionary? It will be a long, challenging journey, but be obedient anyway. Go from where you are to where God wants you to be. And yes, in all honesty, it'll be a tough journey, but be obedient anyway. Is there an amen in the house? Is God directing you to perhaps eventually become, become a doctor, a nurse, a dentist, a lawyer, an engineer, a social worker, an accountant, or whatever, whatever. The probability is it is going to be a long, tough road. Be obedient anyway. Yes? Is God, is God telling you through a doctor, perhaps? Is God telling you through a doctor that you need to change some bad habits, some bad habits to improve your health? It may seem like it's a tough journey, but be obedient anyway. At present, at present, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian who, who tithes, who gives a tenth of your income to the Lord's work as God tells us to do so in his holy Bible? If not, the Lord wants you to discover the joy and the blessings of becoming a giver, becoming a tither. Becoming a tither, in all honesty, can seem like a tough journey for you. For some people, it, it can be one of the toughest things that you ever do. But be obedient anyway. Go from where you are to where God wants you to be. Amen? Where are you in your spiritual relationship, in your spiritual relationship with the Lord? Are you somewhat committed to Jesus? 
Are you a little interested in Jesus? I want you to know that the Lord wants you. The Lord wants you to go from where you are to where he wants you to be. And he wants you to be in a state of total, total commitment and full surrender of your life to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. That's what he wants for each one of us. To go from a lack of interest, to go from a, a careless attitude in our, in our relationship with the Lord to a relationship of full surrender, full commitment, entire sanctification, total faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you go from where you are to where he wants you to be? Amen. You may have to stop in that journey. You may have to stop and get rid of some sins in your life. You may have to rearrange your priorities. It may seem like a tough, tough road, a tough journey, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Be obedient. Amen? Let me take you to a third principle that's very important as well, and it is this. Another principle for making a big difference wherever you are, it is this. Number three, no matter how much success you have in life, stay humble and give God the credit for your wonderful accomplishments. This, this I learned from Ezra chapter 7, verses 27 and 28, where it says this. Praise the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who made the king want to beautify the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. Verse 28. And praise him, as we're speaking, and praise him for demonstrating such unfailing love to me, to Ezra, for demonstrating such unfailing love to me by honoring me before the king, his council, and all his mighty nobles. I felt encouraged because the gracious hand of the Lord, my God, was on me, and I gathered some of the leaders of Israel to return with me to Jerusalem." What is that verse? What are those verses, especially verse 28? What, what does verse 28 tell you? It tells you, it tells me that Ezra stayed humble. He stayed humble. Ezra had honored God through his life, and God chose to honor him. Ezra could have assumed that his own greatness, Ezra could have, could have assumed that his own greatness and charisma had, had, had won over the king and his government, but he gave the credit to God. We too should be grateful to God, to God himself, for our success and not think that we did it in our own power. Right? No matter how much success you have in your life, stay humble and give God the credit for your wonderful accomplishments. Praise God. 
There's a fourth important truth, and it is this. Be willing to volunteer to use your gifts and abilities for the Lord. This truth comes from chapter 8, verses 15 to 20, where we discover that as Ezra was getting the people ready to travel from Babylon to Jerusalem, he found out that not one, listen to this, he discovered that not one single Levite had volunteered to go. Look at verse 15. Look at verse 15 in in chapter 8, Ezra 8. Look at this. Here's what it says. I assembled the exiles at the Ahava Canal, and we camped there for three days while I went over the lists of the people and the priests who had arrived. I found that not one Levite had volunteered to come along. Not one Levite had volunteered to come along. Now, the Levites were supposed to be assistants to the priests in the worship in the temple. The Levites originated from the tribe of Levi, and Ezra says, not one person volunteered to leave Babylon and go to Jerusalem with him. We're not told why the Levites didn't volunteer. Perhaps they had become too comfortable in Babylon. Or maybe they knew it was going to be an 800-mile trip and thought, I'll pass, thank you. And then verses 16 to 20, we won't read them right now, but verses 16 to 20 in Ezra chapter 8 tell us of the effort Ezra put into recruiting. He basically begged and recruited some Levites to go on this mission. And in the end, Ezra still ended up, Pastor Lisa, Ezra ended up with only 38 Levites, only 38 Levites of those 5,000 people, including the leaders, and, 300 or, and 220 temple servants. Think about this. God had called the Levites to a special ministry, and yet few were willing to volunteer when their services were needed. My friends, Ezra had to beg. Ezra had to beg. God has gifted each of us, no matter who we are here, on the main level, up in the balcony, radio listeners, God has gifted each of us with abilities so we can make a contribution to his kingdom work. Don't wait. Don't wait to be recruited, but look for opportunities to volunteer. Don't hinder hinder God's work by holding back. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. This Tuesday, this Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m., we are having our plan to protect training here in the sanctuary as we previously announced. 
Essentially, this class will teach you what you need to know in volunteering, in volunteering with children, youth, and seniors in our church. And even, even if as yet you are uncertain as to how you might like to volunteer with boys and girls, with youth or seniors, I strongly want to encourage you to join us for this, for this two-hour training session, Plan to Protect, before you leave church today. I want to ask you to place the response form. There's a response form in your bulletin. I want to ask you to place that response form found in the bulletin right here on the communion table. And it'll kind of be a stepping stone for some of you. It'll be kind of like a stepping stone in which you are saying, God, you know, I just want to get myself more ready to to respond to your call to serving children or youth or seniors, whatever way you want to direct my life. The bottom line, the bottom line is be willing to volunteer to use your gifts and abilities for the Lord. Amen? So my friends, There we are, four wonderful principles that can help you and me make a big difference in life, right where we are, on an ongoing basis. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for these wonderful truths that we discover from Ezra. We thank you, Lord, for all that we learn from this godly man. And I pray, O God, that you would help each one of us to live out these truths and in so doing, be better used by you in all aspects of life. O Lord, Help us to have a great appreciation for our family history and heritage. Help us, Lord, to realize that going from where we are in life to where you want us to be can be long, it can be a tough journey, but Lord, enable us to be obedient anyway. And above all, Lord, if as yet, If as yet we have not moved to that place in our lives where we have have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, then Lord, inspire us, inspire us, and move us to come to that point and to say to you, Jesus, I surrender all. My Jesus, I love thee. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my all. Let it be so. Thank you, dear Lord, for all the truths that we uncover from your holy Bible. Continue to impact our lives from your holy word, whether we're studying it individually or in Sunday school or Wednesday evenings or in small groups or in a service like this. Impact our hearts and lives by your holy word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.